I am truly, truly after God's heart for each and every one of you. God has nothing but glory for you. God has a living existence on this earth for you that is living in his very heart and his very heart living in you. No walls, no separation. What Jesus finished belongs to you. The glory that Jesus walked in belongs to you. He said, Father, I have given them the glory that you have given me. This is something that we need to expect. It's something that we just need to allow the Lord to deposit and reveal ever more in our hearts. Because truly, if every one of us understood the Lord's love for us, if every one of us understood how much he has for us, we'd never be in fear again. We would be walking in his divine overcoming love at all points. And this is not too much to expect. I expect his presence. I expect his outpouring. I expect to walk in the ascended life that the Lord has provided. And I expect it for each and every one of you. And, you know, the Lord told me when we started this series, Living Behind the Veil, that if we truly understood his love for us, truly, if you truly get the revelation of God's love for you, nothing is impossible to you. When we truly understand the revelation of the finished work of what he has just basically handed over and provided for us, we are going to see an outpouring of miracles, signs and wonders beyond all imagination. And it has to start in us truly understanding who he wants to be to us. So that's our journey. That's where we're going. And I am expecting amazing things. This is a shift. This is a shift in our hearts. So anyway, he told me to go to Hebrews, and I said, okay. Because once we understand the all-supremacy of Christ, nothing is impossible to us according to his word. Hallelujah. So anyway, we're going to continue in Hebrews today. We're going to be in the second chapter. And he starts this chapter, the writer of Hebrews starts this chapter with a warning. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? That's what we're after, beloved. That's where our hearts are longing to know, is the greatness of our salvation. This is just not coming to Christ and then, you know, going on with life. It is truly having revelation, heart knowledge 
of the greatness of everything that Jesus accomplished for us, the greatness of the salvation that he has truly given us. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So if God testified of him, testified about Jesus, if he testified by signs and wonders and miracles, that has never changed. That means he testifies to it the same way today. Okay? He will do it now. I want to read this in the translation from the Aramaic. Verse 1 through 4. Because of this, we are indebted that we should be all the more attentive to whatever we have heard, lest we fall. If, for if a word spoken by angels was established, and everyone who heard it and violated it received a reward by justice, how shall we escape? if we despise those things which are our life. Those things which are our life. That great salvation. Understanding the fullness of your salvation. The fullness of everything Christ's heart has for you. The fullness of everything he has done for you. It is your life. That is your life. It is life unto you. If we despise those things which are our life, those which began to be spoken by our Lord, that's Jesus. Remember how we started Hebrews? Spoken to us by Jesus, right? And by those who heard from him among us, and were confirmed while God testified concerning them with signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Spirit of holiness, which were given according to his will. Okay, so that, the reason I read that one is because we need to understand that our hearts delving into the depths of the fullness of Christ is our true life on this earth. And he has nothing short of what Jesus walked in. Nothing short of what Jesus walked in is meant for you. That's your destiny. That is your destiny in Christ. Nothing short of what Jesus walked in. So, We've already studied, to an extent, <laughs> because how can you ever really study at all? You just keep learning all the time. But we have studied so far the divine, the divinity, the divine glory of Christ. And now we are transitioning to a discussion about his humanity, the humanity of Christ, the purpose of that humanity. And we are warned to be attentive to, <coughs> to pay more careful attention to, or as the King James Version says, to give more earnest heed, to give more earnest heed to what has been spoken to us by Jesus. So the warning, we are sternly, sternly instructed not to ignore the great salvation that we've been given. Something that saves us. Your salvation, your Jesus, saves you. Hallelujah. We are instructed not to despise the things which are our life. 
It is important to give heed to what Jesus came to do, to give heed to the word, to be carefully attentive. So again, in in this part of the scripture, Christ's superiority to the prior administration and the prior ministry of angels is emphasized. See, you have to remember to whom Hebrews was written. Christian Jews who were living under a lot of religiosity. But believe me, there are things in our own minds and emotions where legalism still exists, and that's why we're studying this. Because Truly, Jesus wants you to walk in his freedom, the freedom that he walked in when he was here on the earth. So, if a word spoken by angels was established and punished for any violation of it, how much more important then is it the salvation, the life, the word brought to us by Jesus? And you might say, well, Lisa Marie, that's a pretty simple thing to think about. Well, it's not really because we, we have to go through a process all our lives of getting rid of old thinking and, and allowing the Lord to bring it up in our spirits where that might still exist because he wants you free in every area of life. So the things which he has spoken to us, God has testified and confirmed with signs, wonders, and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So right there in that passage, we have the triune God demonstrated. We have the, the triune God presented. The Son testified to the will of God, right? So you have the Son. The Father confirms the Son with signs, miracles, and wonders. So you have the Father. And the Holy Spirit came to us in God's power to work through us. You have in the Holy Spirit the very power of God working through you. Think about that. The fire of God, the power of God working through you, available all the time to you in every situation. Better than angels. You see, this is personal He is for you, not against you. This is better than angels. It's an infilling, it's an infilling and not uh, an outward, not an outward administration. Okay, so we need to grab hold of this. That's why the disciples were told to wait until the Holy Spirit came, right? And there was the outpouring in Acts, right? They were told. So this is such a great salvation. And we are after revelation of the greatness of the glory of God, the greatness of the salvation of God, the greatness of the completeness of Jesus, the greatness of his fullness in us. Hallelujah. We want to grasp the wholeness of everything that Jesus is and everything that he has done for us. So much more must we realize the value, the, the, um, the accomplishment, the fullness of the ministry, the new administration, the ministry of Christ, and all that he has given, and all that he has accomplished, and, and how that belongs to us, through him. So, the writer of Hebrews starts in this chapter and gives us this analogous reality, basically, this, this analogy between Christ and the angels. And, and I know, you know, you sit there and think, well, I know Christ is better than the angels. Okay, well then, maybe you think that you shouldn't need to read Hebrews. But let me tell you what. This word always needs to be before you. And if he said it, it's important, and there's something that we can still learn. Right? (laughs) So, so we want this to sink into our spirits. 
the worth, the glory, the ascendancy, the supremacy of Christ to all else in your life, to all else in my life. The ascendancy of what's been given us in this covenant, 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 new covenant as compared to the old. So continually throughout Hebrews, in different ways, the writer constantly is driving home the victorious nature, the ascended nature that we have in Christ. And there's not a single one of you, including myself, in this room today that has fully captured this in their hearts. And that's what we're after. That's what we're after. Hallelujah. So the point made is that Christ's intent is to give us more abundantly, more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine, more abundantly his good plans, his good purposes for us, and that we need to give more abundant heed to his heart. More abundant heed to his heart. Because brothers and sisters... Beloved, his heart for you is so much bigger than what you've ever imagined. So much bigger than what you've ever imagined. And the heart that attentively, abundantly, the heart that attentively, abundantly pursues God's voice and his will and what he has done for us is the heart that will take possession, because it's, been, it's available to anyone, to all believers, it's available. But the heart that abundantly runs after him is the one that takes possession of what the fullness of Christ means, his abundant blessings, his overflowing glory, his true presence in our lives, okay? So the more, basically the more than we can ask, think, or imagine portion of life. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want the more than, more than I can ask, think, or imagine portion of life? Not just the like, I'm going to get by here, I'm saved, and I'm okay. You know? I mean, you, we, anyone can do that. Anyone can, what? Yeah, we want it all. We want it all. And, and beloved, it's available. It's what he has designed for you. It is your destiny. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, we must know Jesus by the Holy Spirit. His power available to you now. His power that is at work within us. In the Aramaic translation, but to him who is more than almighty, I love this, I love this translation, to him who is more than almighty to do for us, more than almighty to do for you, and is greater than what we ask or imagine according to his power that's active in us. He becomes our greater portion. He becomes active in our lives when we truly set our hearts to know him not just about him, to know him, to, to invite his presence, to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our churches, in our friendships, in our relationships, in our work environments, and to know him in his fullness. So Hebrews turns to explaining the humanity of Christ and the purpose of his suffering, okay? Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 9. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. Hallelujah. About which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, and that would be Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. Okay, we're going to explain that in a minute. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. 
in putting everything under him, God left nothing. God left nothing that is not subject to him. God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to him, but, but, we see Jesus. Hallelujah. You must, I must, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. And when there is a conflict and you're not seeing things subjective, go to Jesus. Look to Jesus. See him in his fullness. See him in the accomplished, finished work that he has done for you. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And that is you. He tasted death for you. He didn't have to do it, but he did. So in tasting death for you, like we spoke about the last two weeks, you have been purified. You have been perfected. Everything that he did here is perfected in his heavenly existence and priesthood for you. So in his incarnation, Christ temporarily became subject to this earthly realm. He had to exist as a human being, operating the same way that you have to operate. And now... He is crowned in glory. He came here in his human existence into a realm administered, ministered where an administration of angels was. He chose to leave that glory in heaven. He chose because he loves you. He chose to leave that glory. He was made a little lower in angels through what he suffered for our sakes through what he suffered for our sakes. And he was crowned in glory and honor because of his willingness, his yieldedness, his obedience, and he gave us his victory. He stood in your stead to do something that you never could have done yourself. He did it out of love for you, and he handed you his glory. Hallelujah. He became reunited with God in splendor, in splendor, in glory, all things under his feet. So let's go back over verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, you understand that, right? Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might ta taste death for everyone. In other words, as our substitute, and now we receive what he won. Hallelujah. Do you get that? That's shouting grounds, guys. I mean, I don't know what you're doing inside, but those are shouting grounds. See, angels don't suffer death, Right? Only Jesus could suffer death for you. And he did it. And he did it willingly. So that he could taste death and absolutely crush, defeat the death grip of sin in our lives. Hallelujah. Freedom from the curse. Freedom from the curse of sin and death. Freedom from every curse. You do not walk a cursed life. The blood has broken every curse. You get that? Jesus did this. He did all of this why? 
to bring you, to bring you into glory with him. His heart to bring glory, and he didn't care what it took. He was going to do everything it took, and he did everything it took to bring you into glory. Now, frankly, I don't mean to sound tough on you guys, but honestly, you owe it to him to understand your glory. You owe it to him to understand what the sacrifice really did. And that isn't just saving you so you can squeak by into heaven. You are meant to be his powerhouse here on this earth. His glory, his Holy Spirit poured out in signs and wonders and miracles and peace and joy, in love. You are meant to be the full demonstration of Christ Jesus here. Nothing missing, nothing broken. For what he did, I'm sorry, we owe it to him to understand his free gift, what his substitution accomplished. Because what was true, listen to this, you see, our dominion here, our dominion was fulfilled through Jesus, right? Your dominion, dominion, was fulfilled through what Jesus did for you and all of mankind. Whether someone receives it or not, he did it for every human being. So what was true of man, what was true, I should say, for man or, or woman, you know, humanity, in promise, in promise, was fulfilled by Jesus. Every promise was fulfilled. Every promise of God's heart for you, every desire of God's heart for you, every love outpouring of God's heart for you has been fulfilled in Jesus. He is your perfection. So what we see in Jesus is made true in every person who believes on him. It becomes your destiny in him, your destiny in Christ. God has made the believer, that's you, any, any believer in Christ, God has made the believer the recipient of a life, of a nature, of a spirit, that is completely able to partake of his life and spirit. <laughs> I'll just preach to myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I <laughs> Thank you, sister. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being sassy. I'm being sassy. I know y'all get it. I do. I'm not moved by what I see or hear. <laughs> I know you're, you're like soaking this up, right? You're soaking this up in your spirits. Okay, so it is our destiny to share with him the dominion over all of creation, over every demonic element. Do you get that? It is your destiny in Christ to walk in freedom over every demonic influence, every demonic temptation, every demonic spirit, every stronghold, every curse. Freedom belongs to you. Hallelujah. The destiny that Jesus fulfilled for us through what he did for us. So just as, there's a kicker here, <laughs> just 
as in Jesus' life, okay? Just as in his life here on earth when he came to earth, how he humbled himself, how he, he yielded himself, he was willing to know, to know first, right? He had to know the plans and purposes of God, the heart of God. He sought that. He, he desired that. It was his pleasure to do the will of God. So just as he did that, and, and, and he became humble unto his Lord, and he had subjected himself 100% to the Father's will, that is our, uh, what's the word? requirement. That's our requirement. That's what we need to do, just as he did it. But you see, he already defeated everything for us, us, so it's a lot easier for us, right? Because when we're walking by the Holy Spirit, he gives us his wisdom, his understanding, his power, his victory. So when we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor, We see our destiny in him. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand where we're going with all this? Jesus came to be one with you. He came here to be one with you. Say, Jesus is one with me. Hallelujah. Okay, when he did that, does he ever lie? Does he ever go back on his word? No, when he came here to be one with you, to pour himself out for you, that was his pledge to you of your total redemption. Do you get that? That's his pledge to you. He made a pledge to you when he came to earth. Then when you receive him and you say, yes, I am taking Jesus and I am now one with him. When you do that, that is the power of your redemption. You see that? Do you understand that? That is the power of He was your pledge, and now you have his power. Total redemption. Nothing impossible. Nothing that you are facing today is unchangeable in Jesus. And that would be a negative thing, you know, like nothing negative, nothing difficult that you're facing. Okay. So Hebrews 2.10. In bringing many sons to glory... Who, who, who here is a, a son of glory or a daughter of glory? Well, I'm going to say I am. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author, that's Jesus, of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy. Who here is made holy through Jesus? I am. You are. If you're a believer, you are. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy, that's every believer, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers, brethren, brothers and sisters. He is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. Hallelujah. Do not ever believe that Jesus is ashamed of you. Regardless of the mistake that you make, Jesus will never be ashamed of you. You are made holy. Get this, please wrap your spirits around this. You are made holy through his suffering, his obedience unto death, not through your own efforts, not through your own works. 
It is a free gift intended for every person. And when you receive him as Lord and Savior, for that reason alone, for that reason alone, for that reason alone, not because you're good, not because you do good things, for that reason alone he calls you his brother or sister and will never be ashamed. And scripture says that he is not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. And guess what? That's while he knows every imperfection that you have. That's when he knows every, even though he knows every imperfection I have. So when a person sins, does that please God? No, of course not. That does not, is sin bad? Yes, sin is bad. We don't want to sin. Is this grace to sin? No, it is not grace to sin. He knows sin's going to hurt you. Sin is a destroyer. Sin brings destruction. So this is not a license to sin. It does not please God, but he will never shame you. He will never shame you. So we don't say sin is okay because we know in this world sin brings destruction and everything, any way that he disciplines us to bring us out of sin, to bring us back, is always for our good. It's always so that we can walk in the ascendancy that he provided for us. You know, by the way, you should never, like when a child does something wrong, you know, you never want to say shame on you. You, you, that, those words should never come out of your mouth. If Jesus doesn't shame you, you don't say shame on you to a child. You can explain to them that their behavior is incorrect, but not that their person is shamed. Okay? See, those are, those are things we got to get rid of in our lives. God will never excommunicate you. Some families, they don't like what a kid is doing, and they excommunicate them. God will never excommunicate you. So, instead of walking in self-shame, we simply repent. We repent. We ask God how to move in another direction. How to how, help me, help me out of this place into your ascendancy, into your supremacy, into your glory. Right? He will always give us a way out. He will always give us another choice. He will always give us another way to do something. Okay? So, we really need to connect our our minds and our hearts, our emotions, to what Jesus has really done for us. And that we are not shamed. So we need to understand our holiness. That seems like a big thing, doesn't it? To understand. Well, it does to me. Seems like kind of a big thing to understand that I'm holy. See, because I always want to look at what I do wrong. But his definition of holy is so much different than, than that mental picture that we have. So we need to understand holiness as applied to human beings. And here's the key. Here's the key. Accepted by Christ. That's the key. Your holiness, because of what he did, accepted by the Father. You need to accept it. I need to accept it. Okay? So, I'm going to give you a definition from, and remember, these are limited human definitions. Even in this definition, it's not perfect, the one about humans. So, Noah's, Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, holy as referring to God, referring to God. Holiness signifies perfectly pure, immaculate, 
and complete in moral character. Aren't you glad Jesus sees you through the blood? I mean, God sees you through the blood? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm glad. I'm glad. That ought to be a song. I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. (laughs) As applied to man. We call a man holy when his heart is conformed in some degree to the image of God and his life is regulated by divine precepts. Consecrated, set apart for sacred use or to the service or worship of God, sanctified. Now let me tell you what my personal definition of holy is. I would say truly that we call a person holy when he is saved. Jesus did it or he didn't do it. He or she, we, then, have to obviously grow in maturity, right? So we know the curse is broken, okay? We know that perfect love, for instance, casts out all fear. We know that the curse is broken, but do we have to, we, we get that, but then sometimes, and sometimes a person, like miraculously, everything changes in that person's life in any area, you know, where we have subjected our, ourselves to Christ. So sometimes, miraculously, like anger leaves, never again to be had in that person, or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes, it's a matter of allowing the Lord to reveal to us in our walk how to listen to the Holy Spirit and make different choices, because we've been raised in, fa- in some cases in broken families or families where certain things occurred, and we develop habits in response to those things. And so we allow the Lord, he's already broken the curse, but we allow him to speak into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and show us in his wisdom how to go. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes there's just a miraculous freedom. Okay, am I making sense to y'all? Okay, good. Anywhere where Jesus comes in, Satan is destroyed. We have to get that in our heads. We have to get that in our spirits. We have to get that in our emotions. We have to renew our mind, will, and emotions that that is the fact. Anywhere where Jesus comes in, Satan is destroyed. Okay, verse 14, and I'm reading out of the Aramaic translation for this one. It says, For because the children shared together in flesh and blood, he also shared in these things in the same form. In, in the NIV there it says, in their humanity. He shared in your humanity. So that by death he would destroy the one who had held who had held, who had held, past tense, so that he would destroy the one who had held the authority of death, see, no longer, not when you're in Jesus, who is Satan, okay? So this tells me that the entrance of Jesus in any situation where you welcome him in your life is the absolute destruction of Satan in your life. The, absolutely, the absolute destruction of any demonic hold. The absolute destruction of any stronghold. Now we just walk it out listening to the Lord yielded in our spirits, to him. Okay. And he would free those, free those, say, I am free in Jesus. You think right now of anything that's holding you back, of any stronghold, of any curse which really isn't there because the blood of Jesus already broke it. You get what I'm saying? You know, I caught a bunch of flack a couple of weeks ago because I said that there are no generational curses that can hold people. And it's true. 
It's true. Either the blood broke the curse or didn't. And it did. So just because someone sees a vestige of a habit or something in their life, it does not mean that Jesus' blood was ineffective. So you think of anything in your life. Right now, I mean right now, I mean right at this moment. You think of anything in your life that you see as a stronghold or anything like that. And you say, the curse is broken, the curse has been broken, the blood of Jesus did it, I am free, I am free, I am free indeed in Jesus. Say that, I mean it, say that. I am free in Jesus. You are no longer subject to bondage. And he would free those who by fear of death all their lives were subject to bondage, the NIV there says, in slavery by fear. In slavery by fear. Well, guess what? We have a Lord Jesus that loves us. Scripture tells me perfect love, when we understand that love, the love that Jesus has for us, perfect love casts out all fear. Let the love pour in. Understand how much he loves you, regardless of sometimes your bad behavior. His love for you never changes. It is your healer. For death was not authorized over angels, but death was authorized over the seed of Abraham. Okay, a little lower than the angels. Okay, remember? We talked about that a minute ago. Because of this, because of this, pay attention to the little words, because of this, it was right (coughs) that he would become like his brethren, that's you and me, in all things, in all things, in all things, that he would be a compassionate and trustworthy, other translations there say, merciful and faithful high priest in every area of your life. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. You can trust him. High priest in what is God's. Okay, It doesn't there just say, in a portion of what God has. It doesn't say that, does it? Hello? It doesn't say that, does it? It says, in what is God's. What does that mean? It means all of it, doesn't it? Everything. All of God. Everything belonging to God and would make atonement for the sins of his people. For in this, because he suffered and was tempted, he can help those who are tempted. Do you see how beautiful God's plan is? Do you see the beauty in that? Nothing can tempt you that he didn't already take care of and that he didn't already give you a way out. Do not run from him, run to him. In the middle of that temptation, if you can't say anything else, say, God loves me. He's compassionate. He is giving me a way out at this very moment. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Cry out to the Holy Spirit. 
He will show you a way out. When you are on the verge of making that choice of either listening to the Lord or listening to the devil because there's no in-between, all goodness, Jesus, all badness, devil, (laughs) you stop and you cry out. Allow him to minister his peace to you. You cry out, and he will show you a different way. The door out of the temptation is always open. Hallelujah. So, beloved, rather than eternal shame or eternal destruction is what the, the devil wants you to feel, Jesus, by his better, by his higher, by his ascendant ministry has provided for you, for me, his finished work of redemption in every part of our lives. Hallelujah. He is your ever-present help in time of trouble. He is, listen to this, listen to this, all ears. He is always speaking his cure and he is never speaking the devil's curse. He is always speaking his cure and never the devil's curse to you. Don't believe it. Jesus has defeated every curse. His blood did that, period. Period. There's this song that one of our kids used to love. I wish we could sing it. I wish we could sing it. (laughs) And it was called Jesus, period. It was by Carmen. And we would go riding in the car, and that song would come on, and one of our kids would just like, Jesus, period, Jesus, period. And that's the truth. The truth is Jesus, period. Hallelujah. So, he has given you, he has given you his very own spirit dwelling in you, dwelling in me, to rise up in power and victory, to rise up into the greater We set our sights on things above because that's where we are meant to dwell, to inhabit, to walk, to exist. To arise and shine, the scripture says, his glory is upon you. I believe that. So when trials, when temptations come, when things that seem like strongholds try to get your eyes off Jesus, he is the voice speaking to you. He says, this is the way. Okay, you can take that two ways. This is the way. This is how you're going to do it. This is the way I want you to walk. This is the way. Who is the way? Who is the way, the truth, and the life? This is me. This is Jesus. This is, I am talking to you. It's a promise you have. It says his children know his voice. You know the voice of your shepherd. Right? He's always speaking to you. So, when those trials come, he says, this is the way, walk in it. He is a voice speaking. Whether It says whether you're going to go to the left or to the right, he is a voice speaking, saying, this is the way, walk in it. So, Jesus has put you, listen to this, Jesus, listen to this, Jesus has put you on his glory road. Okay? I'm going to prove it to you out of a prophetic passage from Psalms. All right? He told me to tell you that. This is a psalm 
when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. But the victory of David is that he always knew God's mercy. He didn't make light of his sin. He ran to God with his sin. He repented of his sin, and he always understood the mercy of God. Okay? That is your key to the ascended life. Understanding his mercy. Mercy for you, and hello, your mercy for others. Okay? So I'm going to read you Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Show mercy upon me, O God, according to your kindness and according to the multitude of your mercies. Blot out my sins. Wash me completely from my evil and purge me from my sins. This is prophetic of you. This is prophetic of the finished work, that, of what has been accomplished in the finished work. Wash me completely, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Wash me completely from my evil and purge me from my sins because I know my crimes and my, sin are all, my sins are always in front of me. To you alone I have sinned and have committed wickedness before you because you shall be just in your word and you shall conquer in your judgment. I'm going to tell you something, beloved. He is, the Lord gives you judgment that helps you conquer through him. You see that? You see that right there, it says that. If he's going to be just in his word, it says you shall conquer in your judgment. That will also apply to us when we submit to him. We also conquer then in our judgment. Okay, I'm going to go on. Because in evil I was formed in the womb, and in sin my mother conceived me. But you have desired the truth, and you have shown me the hidden things of your wisdom. That is a blessing. You have shown me the hidden things of your wisdom. Sprinkle me with hyssop, and I am pure. What do we have today? We have the blood. Remember, this was written before, you know, Jesus went to the cross. Okay. Sprinkle me with hyssop, and I am pure. Remember we studied that two weeks ago, or last week? That he has made you pure through the blood. Wash me in it, and I shall be whiter than snow. That's you, beloved. Satisfy me in your sweetness and your joy, and my humble bones will rejoice. We are meant to walk rejoicing in what he has done for us. Turn your face from my sins and erase all my crimes. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew your right spirit in me. Thank you, Father. That is his heart, to renew his right spirit, his right spirit. Say, right now, I receive your right spirit in me, O God. Hallelujah. I receive your right spirit in me for everything. Hallelujah. The spirit of God in you rises up to conquer every difficulty, every darkness, and he puts you on the glory road. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Cannot thank you enough. You are so good and so kind and so sweet and so merciful and so compassionate. And I can trust you. No matter what I see in myself, I know how you see me. And I choose to see me the way that you see me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for seeing me because of what Jesus did and not because of what I do. Thank you for seeing me in Jesus. Him who the sun sets free is free indeed. K 
recapture your freedom, beloved. He has meant for you to walk free from every shame, every condemnation, every stronghold. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew your right spirit within me. Do not cast me out from before you, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Listen, listen, but return your sweetness to me and your salvation and your glorious spirit will hold me. Your glorious spirit will hold me. Please say that with me. Your glorious spirit, oh God, will hold me. Hallelujah. That is your glory road, beloved. So, what a great salvation we have. What a tremendous salvation we have. What a beautiful salvation we have. What a splendorous salvation we have. What a complete salvation we have. So that's what the Lord had me share with you today. Now, Lord, we all just come before you and we just thank you that you just seal your freedom. You seal your 